We are like clay, static, unrecognizable, nothing. A formless mass with no direction, no purpose, no meaning. We are like clay, pliable, movable, moldable. In the hands of the Creator, we can be changed made beautiful, given life. Nothing becomes something extraordinary. The transformation takes time. The process is tedious, difficult, painstaking. But soon we see the beginnings of something wonderful. The formless takes shape. The unrecognizable finds its identity. The meaningless is given purpose. From nothing comes beauty. We are like clay, each piece different than the next, given unlimited potential in the hands of the potter. Uh, when I live with my parents, I'm living my wife right now, but <laughs> when I lived with my parents, there was one important rule in our house, which was to attend family devotion time at 8 p.m. every evening. If I had no clear excuse, I had to attend this devotion time. I remember since I date with my wife, I think I had a very clear excuse many times, but anyway, <laughs> it was a simple form of gathering together and then to sing hymns, read Bible verses, and pray. But it has become an important family tradition. My mother alone continues this tradition these days. But on special days like New Year's Day, Thanksgiving Day. My father always read Romans chapter 12. For a very long time, the habit of read, reading Romans chapter 12 continued, and I was able to memorize almost the entire chapter. At the time, I didn't understand why we were reading Romans chapter 12 over and over again. But now it has become one of the things I'm, I'm most grateful to my father for, because now I understand the value of Romans chapter 12. Today I'm gonna to read verse one and two of Romans chapter 12 and preach about it. If you can help me to read these two verses, it might be great because I think your English pronunciation is way better than me. So, would you show up? And then we're going to read the verse 1 and 2 together. Ready? Okay, let's do this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this word 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. So Romans chapter 12 marks a turning point in the book of Romans. The word therefore of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is the hinge of the entire book of Romans. For the first 11 chapters, Paul has told us what the gospel is and how it works and how it got to us. Then you have the therefore. And in the last five chapters, Paul explores the kind of people that we should become because of the gospel. So these two sections of Romans, the theological section, Romans chapter 1 to 11, and the practical section, chapter 12 to 16, are joined by a single word, therefore, the hint. In a little more detail about Romans, it is like this. Through Romans chapter 1 to 11, Paul clearly sets first the foundations of the Christian faith. All people are sinful. Christ died to forgive. We are made right with God through faith. This begins a new life with a new relationship with God. And through Romans chapter 12 to 16, Paul gives clear practical guidelines for the believers. The Christian life is not abstract theology unconnected with life, but it has practical implications that will affect how we choose to behave each day. It is not enough merely to know the gospel. We must let it transform our life and let God impact every aspect of our lives. These two great important parts are linked by the words, therefore. However, there is a very important premise in order to move onto the contents after the therefore here. That is, do you understand, acknowledging, and believe the contents of Romans chapter 1 to 11? And can you make the Paul's confession in Galatians your confession? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. I believe a person who confesses in this way is a called a believer, a disciple of Christ. The apostle teachings in Romans chapter 12 to 16 are directed to the very believers and the disciples of Christ. This is why the apostle begins Romans chapter 12 with Therefore, I like the, the dictionary. 
So I, I just tried to find out what's the meaning of therefore. Stupid, right? I know, but sometimes I need to. So what's the true meaning of therefore? And then it says, for that reason, or consequently. For that reason, therefore. Having concluded 11 chapters of a profound and stirring teaching about what God has given believers, Paul now charges those believers with what they need to give God. So I'm going to move to verse 1. So, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. After saying, therefore, the first instruction he gave us is to present our bodies as living sacrifice to God because of all he has done for us. I believe that the key to spiritual victory and true happiness is not in trying to get all we can from God, but in giving all that we are and have to him. The keys to a productive and satisfying Christian life is not in getting more, but in giving all. Pastor John MacArthur, he said this, As with our souls, the Lord created our bodies for himself, and this life he cannot work through us without in some way working through our bodies. If we speak for him, it must be through our mouth. If we read this word, it must be with our eyes. If we hear his word, it must be through our ears. If we go to his work, we must use our feet. And if we help others in his name, it must be with our hands. And if we think of for him, it must be with our minds, which now reside in our bodies. For that reason, the Apostle Paul blessed his people like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, said, May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I just did benediction so you can go. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> From the beginning, God's first and most important requirement for acceptable worship has been a faithful and obedient heart. I think we can find from Psalm chapter 51, verse 17, says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. King David offered God his repentant heart 
as a living sacrifice, apart from outward visual ceremony, and he was forgiven. The living sacrifice we are to offer to the Lord, who died for us, is the willingness to surrender to him all our hopes, plans, and everything that is precious to us, all that is humanly important to us, all that we find fulfilling. I know reading is simple, but applying this is really difficult, I, I guess, right? The moment, of, the moment I offer myself as a living sacrifice to God, the ownership of myself is transferred to God. It means that I no longer have ownership over myself. Can you admit this one? If I offer myself to God as a living sacrifice, we lose our ownership for myself. To us who have been given like that, now God speaks and now God works. This is the true and proper worship, which is holy and pleasing to God. Let's move to the verse two. Apostle said, do not conform the pattern of this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The second teaching the Apostle Paul gave us after saying, therefore, is to be transformed by renewing our mind. It is the mind that our new nature and our old humanities are intermixed. Can you feel it? Is that happened to your mind? So what we said is the mind is our new nature because of Jesus Christ and our old humanities are intermixed. It is in the mind that we make choices as to whatever we will express our new nature in holiness or allow our fleshly humanness to act in unholiness. For that reason, if we have offered our bodies to God as a holy living sacrifice, as in verse 1, then we should not put our minds in sinful word, but put them to the value of a new and eternal life. The pastor J.B. Phillips says this one, don't let the word around you squeeze you into its own mold. Can you feel sometimes these days living? Sometimes the word try to make us to skid into their form, their mold. Be like them. I believe it is not uncommon for unbelievers to mask themselves as a Christian. Right? Unfortunately, it also is not uncommon for Christians to wear the world's mask. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Apostle said, We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The outward transformation is affected by an inner change in the mind. And the Spirit's means of transforming our minds is the Word. King David testified this. He says, Thy word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin again against thee. John MacArthur said again, the transformed and renewed mind is the mind saturated with, controlled by the word of God. It is the mind that spends as little time as possible, even with the necessary things of all fully living, and as much time as possible with the things of God. A transformed mind produces a transformed will by which we become eager and able with the Spirit's help to lay aside our own plans and trustingly accept God's. No matter what the cost, this continued yielding involves the strong desires to know God better and to comprehend and follow His purpose for our lives. The divine transformation of our minds and wills must be constant because we are still continuously tempted through our remaining humanness. Our minds and wills must be continuously transformed through God's word and by God's spirit. And then we can move to another verse to he said, then you will be able to test and approve God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I'm sure God's will is not primarily concerned with what we are to do. Like job, marriage decisions, even sometimes ministry. For instance, Paul contends that God's will for us is more about the kind of people we are becoming. God's will for you and for your life is more about who you are than what you're doing. But we still have consequential decisions to make, decisions we would like God to guide us in. If I have about 30 minutes more time this morning, <laughs> yeah, that laugh is, means you don't, you're not going to give to me, okay? I understand that. <laughs> I may preach more on God's will, but not today. Maybe, if possible, next time I'll give a sermon on God's will. da <laughs> It might be my conclusion for this sermon. So when I sometimes define worship, these are the three words I use the most. And these words certainly work when used in the right order. It says giving, communication, transformation. 
I know, so you're getting bored. So would you read this with me? Because I think this is really important. Okay, can you read this with me? Okay, go. Giving, communication, transformation. Yeah, so I'm going to hold anyone in next week and next Sunday, so I'm going to ask you, this, what is the three word? You should answer me. <laughs> when we give our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, God speaks and walks with us. As a result, our minds are changed and we live a new life that fits the new person inside. The person who lives like that is the person who discerns God's will and pleases Him. So now I want to ask you this question before we leave. Are you having a such a worship today? Have you offered yourself as a living sacrifice to God today? Have you communicated with God today? And are you experiencing a new, new transformation today? If you worship like this today, you will surely know God's will for you. I'm going to finish my sermon by reading today's scripture one more time in the message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll change from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best of out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen? Amen. Amen.